This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at CircleKFleetCards.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of State of the Fleet Industry Spotlight Series in which we engage with leaders in fleet on what's driving the market today. I'm Chris Brown, Digital Editor for Automotive Fleet, and I'm pleased to have with us today Eric Aspland, Head of Commercial Fleet and Rental for Volvo Car USA. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great to be here. Sure. Okay. Hey, listen, let's get right into it. Um, so, you know, it's on everyone's lips, right? O electric vehicles in fleets. Yeah. And Volvo is certainly there with its growing EV lineup. Um, you know, one aspect that shouldn't be overlooked with, uh, with electric vehicles is safety. What do you think there's info out there for fleet managers that they need to convey to their drivers about performance and batteries and the like? I mean, I think, I think the limited information is out there, really. Uh, I, I think we need to do a better job, not only as, as OEMs, but, but as an industry in, in really conveying that today those features aren't that much different from any other type of propulsion um you know fire departments ems services are they're well aware of uh, the the hazards and ups and downs of evs so what we really need to to teach and share is that it's not that much different it's it's changing habits of how you how you charge your vehicle and how you gas up and how you plan your trips but that's really that's really the big difference and the one thing I do believe in and we at Volvo believe is, is safety is paramount. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think, as most of you know, it's it's easier and, and cheaper to to avoid the accident up front than paying for the damages on the back end. And I think that's where, where Volvo really shines. Sure. Um, you know, let's stick with EVs. Um, you know, I mean, we understand that they, they have lower operational costs, right? But yeah. Fleets need to factor in setting up charging and then it, what re residual values look like too. It seems to be a little bit of a question mark there. Um, and then, you know, there's also new factors that we could kind of factor into total cost of ownership, like corporate ESG directives, right? Yeah. And putting a premium on that. So what, any thoughts on, the, on that part of the conversation? I think you're, you're, the first part, it's always going to be kind of a discovery period coming out uh, into something new regardless. But but what you have to keep in mind, I think, is, is, yeah, you're setting up the charging cost now for your drivers, but that's for the first vehicle. Coming out of that vehicle into the next vehicle and the next vehicle, they still have charging already. They're already got the infrastructure. So it is a one-time cost up front that you might not have with a gas vehicle, but it also reduces your life cycle overall, longer term. Um, and, and to your point, it, it's with, with the new technologies, batteries coming out, you have to look at it as a, as a cost of a whole. The more and the more EVs come out there, the more people experience them, the more they're going to see the benefit of it. Yeah, I mean, we saw this in Europe. I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised in Sweden and, and coming from the fleet market in Europe, but we really saw it with plug-in hybrids to begin with. You know, the corporate side had to take the stride to really lead the way and show, but the drivers that had it, they loved it, you know? So then when they go to buy their second vehicle, it becomes EV uh, or plug-in hybrid in that case. And, and that's going to drive the residual values up. So as we kind of go, yeah, you're going to have a, a bigger cost up front, but it will be worth it in the long term. 
And just like anything, it, it's never going to be cheap to be first out. But there's a statement behind that. And there's a corporate communication by saying, we're going to take that for the greater good. I mean, we talk a lot about the, the biggest threat to, to, you know, to safety is, is climate change. And at the end of the day, if we, we try to mitigate that as much as we can, EVs are a great start. And, and again, technology is going to get better. It's going to get cheaper. It's going, to be, it's going to become the norm. It's really just where do you want to jump on the train? Um, we see a lot of people jumping on very early. Uh, we see a lot of early people coming out and, and they are even skipping plug-in hybrids. They're going straight to EVs because they're just, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it big and they're going to do it real and they're seeing the value of it. And to your point, all these ESG initiatives, there's, there's, a, there's a value to it. And, and you know, with all of the uh, things that are out there, uh, you know, the government's putting money behind everywhere, a lot of local state incentives, take New Jersey where I'm based, for example, you know, you can apply $25 or $20, I think it is, uh, for every mile up to 200 miles. You can get five grand off a car back for any car under $55,000 MSRP. You have federal tax incentives. You have no sales tax in New Jersey. So there's multiple, multiple things that is going to help and is going to drive that adop uh, adoption. And the sales tax incentive that, that applies to used, I think we're going to see more localized, but that that's, you know, that's why the auctions are good. Today, you reach the entire country. So they, they can drive up the price in the markets that they have uh, really good adoption of it. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I mean, so what you're saying is New Jersey does have its own specific, if you're buying vehicles in New Jersey, yeah. you get an additional uh, 5,000 tax incentive or is it just a... Correct. You're, you're okay. eligible to apply for it at least. And, and it's, it's available to consumers and businesses alike. So you're still eligible to apply for it. Obviously, we all know the challenges of federal tax incentives and state incentives being applied through FMCs and so forth. But I think as, again, as, as the industry grows and as the EV part of it grows, we're going to see more and more people finding a way how to do this and what to do. And I really think that with as big of a push this is, I even think the federal government's going to look at changing the way they do it to just uh, increase the adoption of it. Because at the end of the day, if, if you know, if, I could just go to myself. If I'm looking at a car and I have a car that costs the same um, to run and I know what it is versus an EV, that might be $10,000 more, then I'm not really sure about the costs. Maybe I don't know if my driver's going to stick around to the next vehicle and so forth. It's easy to take the easy quote unquote way out and say, well, you know, we're going to stick to gas one more time. But I also think that the people who get into EVs, they see the benefit. They're really excited about it, the drivability of it, the comforts of it and it is a good feeling driving green like it is it's a cool feeling driving a very silent car and and knowing that you just plug it into the outlet when you get home well and just here's the funny thing about evs right i mean I, I, speaking personally too i had trepidation getting into my evs like press vehicles for the first time and I don't have any trepidation anymore. I'm kind of in the matrix now, right? I'm yep. like, I'm, I'm an EV convert. And yep. it's hard to understand. Most fleet drivers that are now in EVs, it's not yep. that they want to go back. No, no, I don't, I don't think they tradition. do. And I, I agree 100%. I don't think most people do. And, and I think, you know, we, we were actually having a, um, 
I, I hosted an education session at, at Volvo HQ yesterday and we were talking about it and what people are saying is, well, you know, what's the cost of charging? You know, it's I have to charge up fully every night. But at the end of the day, you don't. Because if you look at how people drive, even on average, if you if you use up 200 miles a day on your EV, five days a week, 48 weeks out of the year, where let's say you work 48 weeks, that's 48,000 miles a year. And you're still well within reason of what most EVs can produce today. Yeah, yeah, really good. So, point. you know, and, oh, yeah. and if, if you have one really long trip or you have to have some, there are rental cars. Even if, if you say, hey, I'm in the Midwest, I don't have charging infrastructure, I don't have to do that, but it covers 98% of what they do, rental car. Like we can still do that. And, and I think that being a little bit more creative in how we employ, like deploy these vehicles, I think is really going to make a difference. And I think we're going to see the people who make the biggest strides in the next few years are the people who are most creative and most willing to work on a solution. Yeah, I totally agree. I just want to switch uh, focus real quick back to safety, yep. you know, so the connected cars in everyone's minds, right? And yep. I mean, so many benefits there, over-the-air updates and really new digital yep. services there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I almost get the point that there's a, a bit of a mixed message there, right? Where um, yep. we might be lulling drivers to this false sense of safety. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about these safety issues as it relates to connected cars? <sighs> I mean, I don't think we should, we should, we shouldn't be uh, telling our drivers that, Hey, we get, we got these connected services. We got these, you know, warning systems and, and, uh, you know, adaptive cruise control and assisted cruise control and so forth. That doesn't take away from the fact that they need to drive and they need to focus on what they are doing. They're driving. Everything's designed to make it easier. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, with our new Google Android system, you have a ton of things, but you can talk to the car instead. You can use Google Assistant. So you don't want to be just saying, hey, I'm going to have to stop or I'm going to have to try to point this in while I'm driving. Talk to the car. You know, say, hey, Google, take me wherever you want to go. Take me home, take me to work, whatever it is. Take me to the nearest charging station. And it'll do that for you. So you're, you're I, I think the technology is good. You just have to, utilize it the right way. And I think we have a responsibility to set that stage for these drivers. Uh, you know, with, you know, the great power comes great responsibility, but it is, I mean, all these features are brilliant and they do save lives and they do prevent accidents. That doesn't mean you can start using your phone and sending emails in the car or uh, being on video calls in the car. That doesn't change. So we have to take the technology for what it is. It's only going to work as long as we know how to adapt it. And I think that that teaching moment is, is really where we need to shine. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, that situational awareness, we really needs to continue to be taught um, yeah. with our safety policies too. Um, hey, uh, turning like, let's say to vehicle types, right. We've sort yeah. of lived through the transformation from stands yeah. to crossovers. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, let's look at sales fleets, right? It, I mean, is that still the preference? Has there been any change from what? Yeah, you I, th I think that's just based on 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 how people are. We're, we're you know, we're we're always we're always differentiating. Here's fleet, and here's the retail customer. But at the end of the day, they're they're kind of one and the same. They just get their vehicle in a different way. So if if the market and and the general is saying, hey, we want small SUVs. A lot of people do, but then we still have the people who go, I want a sedan. And I mean, I can just turn it to myself. I like a sedan. I, I like the way it handles. I, I grew up racing. It's, 
it, it does drive differently. It feels differently. It handles differently. And I think there is still a value in it. And I think the people who, the people who might not jump on the SUV train that are saying, well, you know, let's try to get some people in sedans. They're the incentives usually reflect heavier on the fact that OEMs have a harder time moving sedans uh, because of the SUV industry, which means, hey, maybe you might be able to save a few bucks. Maybe you might be able to get into EVs or plug-in hybrids where you would normally get into an entry-level ICE vehicle or similar. Look at all the options. I do think sedans still have their place in the business for sure. Yeah, certainly. And it seems like maybe even to your point on the EV side, there could be yeah. Some opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. Then again, it's always going to be driven by demand. If everyone goes, I want an SUV, then then that's what all of us OEMs are going to look at. Because at the end of the day, it's that's that's what we do. But I, I think it's important to in this still transition phase, try to look at those things. And and you know, yeah, I, yeah, I pretty much. Important. And I mean, obviously too. I mean, and this is the core company. See if fleets is look at the TCO as well. I mean, uh, yeah, of course, of know. course, absolutely. Look at the TCO. Absolutely, look at the TCO and. And, you know, that's, I think that back to your point, you might have to do that with EVs in general. Don't just look at what the car costs or what this is. Look at the look, cost of running it. Um, the um, Department of Energy actually put out a study, uh, I think it was a year ago, where they compared the life cycle cost of, of the equivalent uh, compact SUV to the equivalent compact SUV EV. And, and the EV is about, was about 45 cents per mile and the, and the, uh, gas car was about 47, but that was before any tax incentives, any state incentives, anything else, any, you know, tax yeah. alleviations or similar. So when you kind of factor those in, we are looking at, at EVs being a, a, actually a lower cost life cycle as well, even though you have to kind of take into consideration these like charging and so forth. Right. Yeah. No, good point. So yeah, last, uh, last thought, um, Hey, listen, product availability has been on everyone's mind, yeah. 2021, and including this year. Uh, what yeah. are you saying to your corporate accounts about what's going on with Volvo? I mean, we've been lucky. We've we've had a, a we absolutely are living the same thing everyone else is, but we've been fortunate to not deal with it as bad. We, I mean, I know a lot of our our uh, OEM counterparts had to cut uh, model year 22 much earlier yeah, than we, we did. did. Uh, we actually had to cut it, which was which was partially due to availability and selling a lot of the volume, uh, but also partially because Europe was having uh, issues and they wanted to transition to model year 23 quicker. But once we get model year 23 up and running, we are seeing a much better second half of the year this year. And, and with that, assuming that will continue, that will lead into to calendar year 23, but the tail end of model year 23 will be much better. So I, I'm hoping we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We certainly are seeming that way at Volvo. So I really believe that we're going to have a lot of availability and, and the aggressiveness with EVs from Volvo, we're going all electric by 2030 is I think going to show in the inventory levels as well for EVs. Okay, great. Um, you know, hey, and listen, just to harken back on uh, getting in and out of EVs, uh, yeah. you know, we've we've got our Fleet Forward Roadshow, and I know Volvo is going to be there. So for Absolutely. commanders, first stop in Atlanta, if they want to come out and, and get into some Volvos, it's going to yeah, be please. time on, on March 30th. Absolutely. Sure. We're going to have both the XC40 there and the new C40. That sounds great, Eric. Hey, Eric, thank you for joining me in the Robust yeah, Conversation. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for having me.